gonna come till you say things and you're gonna think they know what you're up to. You're gonna be in church and you're gonna think that pastor know what you got going on. Pastor, you ain't gotta put all my business out there for everybody to see. Listen, newsflash, only you feel like everybody sees. And you feel like everybody sees because the only person that really matter sees. And your activity in the present don't line up with my plans for the future. And so I'm going to get on you so we can correct that. So you can line up with what I have for you, what I see for you. I'm not going to let you do that to yourself. How in the world I'm going to get you here if you over there? They look at their lives, they fall into depression and anxiety because they don't have a correlation between their activity and the fruits of what's happening in their life. All right? And, and the answer is not depression medication. The answer is not anxiety medication. The answer is do the right thing and all these things go in because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things going to be added unto you. Some of us, we think, you know, I'm not in church and I'm not in the, in, 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 in the devil worshiping church either. I'm just neutral. No, 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 no. God says, if you're not for me, then you're, oh, come. Y'all know the word of God. You know the word of God. And so he don't set you free from slavery of sin so you could just stay neutral. You remove the lock on this arm and you put a lock on this arm. All right? And you say, God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve righteous well let's take our bibles and turn to john 17 john 17 we'll start reading at verse 11 but y'all know what we're talking about amen we're talking about sanctification this morning talking about getting cleaned up for god him making us holy and making us better and how many people want to be made better amen come on now Come on now, are, are, are you already perfect? You already perfect up in here? Huh? All right, all right. So we all need a little help from on high. Let's look at John 17, starting at, at verse 11. Hallelujah. The Bible says clearly, it says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world had hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Most high God, we thank you so much for your word. We give you praise for giving us a Bible, giving us your living epistles. We thank you, God, because without them we'd be lost. We thank you for leaving us a map, a flashlight, a sword, 
a compass, because your word is all of that to us. And we pray that we would use it aright, Father God. We pray that we would use it for your glory. And Father, now as I open up your Bible, your word, I pray, understanding who is sufficient for these things. We can't even understand you unless you reveal yourself to us. So God, send down a spirit of revelation, illumination, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, skill, God. Help us to hear, to see, to know what the Spirit is saying to the church on today. Awaken the prophetic, the pastorate, the bishop gifts, God. Shepherd your people in these final days. We need you, oh God. The world is a mess, God. But we know in all of this darkness, God, you can be a light to the remnant of your people. So be our North Star again, God. Leading us not out of, out of earthly slavery, but leading us out of the slavery of this world system. Not off the plantation, but out of the clutches and the grips of Satan and his hell that he's put on earth. Be our North Star. We reach our hands to the heavens. We lift our eyes to the hills from whence coming our help. Our help coming from the Lord, Yahweh, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We call upon you again, your people. Hear us now, as you always have. Save, sanctify, and deliver in this place. And bind the enemy out. In Yahshua, Jesus' mighty, magnificent, holy, glorious, saving name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Well, saints of God, we have been looking at the Lord's Prayer in John 17. And we've been asking some of the questions, what did he pray for? And we saw that he prayed that God would, would keep us, prayed that uh, we would be one, we'd have unity. He prayed for our joy. And the one that we currently on is he prayed for our sanctification. Hallelujah. Worship team, great job. Appreciate y'all. Hallelujah. The presence, the presence fell. Amen. Hallelujah. Giving God glory for Minister Brian and his leadership. Hallelujah. So we talked about sanctification, all right? And uh, sanctification uh, is coming out of John 17, 17, where he says, sanctify them uh, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And uh, sanctify here is uh, hagiozo, hagiazo. And it's a derivative of hagios. And the word means to make holy to purify, to cleanse, uh, to uh, renew the soul. That's what it means. And uh, I'm just feeling that, that people, amen, gave to the Atlanta location. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I pray a hundredfold blessing, a millionfold blessing on every tithe, every offering, everything sold to your kingdom and your people. I pray that you would re re uh, uh, restore everything your people gave and then double, triple, a hundred times that in the natural, in the mighty name of Jesus. And for those that may not need money, you have things that only you can give. So give that healing, give that peace, give that joy, give that love back.
or show them, hallelujah, that you, hallelujah, uh, uh, never owe any man, and that if anybody gives you or your people or your cause anything, that they will receive a hundredfold in this life and in the lifetime to come. Do it now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give him praise up in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So sanctify means to, to make holy. And Wayne Grudem, if you remember, he says that sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in our actual lives, all right? And we went through a bunch of scriptures about God making us holy. Um, we also said that Tony Evans says that sanctification means to be set apart for a sacred use. And to be sanctified means to be set apart. You are special because your life is reserved uh, for God and for his glory. God has a special purpose for you. And so sanctification is him putting you on the side like those special dishes, uh, those special tools that's just not used for anything. Amen. Um, we said that, number one, sanctification begins at salvation. Remember we talked about that, that the moment you're saved, a, a wonderful change comes over you. Amen. Uh, a lot of people look at that as what we call the born-again experience. Because the moment you're saved, some sins that you used to partake in, huh? maybe even enjoyed and was addicted to, some of those sins fall off at the altar. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it's chains that just completely fall off. One of our sisters brought a bag of chains. She said, Pastor, these are the chains that fell off for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. And and, and that's the kind of things God will do in your life. He's a chain breaker. Amen. And, and that happens uh, the moment you're saved. He, he sets you free from some things. And that's the beginning of sanctification. And so it's a reorientation of our desires. We no longer have a dominant love for sin. And, and so that's, that's the beginning of sanctification. Point two, but not all sins fall off. All right. Uh, sanctification continues and increases throughout life. We have some sin that remains. It's a, it's a, it's a residue of sin. Uh, the Bible calls it uh, a besetting sin. And, and it's some things that we have to walk with. It's a limp, like Jacob's limp that we have. We, we've been set free from a lot of things, but, but some things just kind of tarry. And that's okay. It don't mean that you're not saved. Amen. It just means that you're not perfect and God still got work to do. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that, that indwelling sin, that besetting sin, uh, we equated that with God leaving some of Israel's enemies back into our homeland. And he did it for two reasons, to test them, to test us, but also to teach us. And that's the same reason why God will allow some things to abide and remain on us, to, to, to test us and to teach us, okay? And the testing us is to, is to, it's not to show him what's wrong with us, but to show us what's wrong with us. Anybody hear me up in here? Because a lot of us are delusional in the fact that we think that we're better than what we really are, all right? And, and that's just the, the deceptiveness of sin, the, deceptive, the deceitfulness of our own hearts. We, we, we sit on our row in church and we look down our row and we say, well, I wish people was more like me. Anybody hear me up in here? And we might be the worst one in the church, all right? And so God leaves indwelling, besetting sin, so that every now and then he can show us ourselves without him. All right? 
And it produces a dependence. It pushes us to prayer. It pushes us to the word. It pushes us to church. Amen? Because we cry out when we in sin. Because no sheep ever likes to be in the mud. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? All right? And so he'll lead that, he'll lead that indwelling sin to, to test us and also to teach us some things. And we talked about those things last time. We said sanctification is only completed at death. All right? It's only completed at death. And, and the reason is, is because, hallelujah, like the Bible says, we have a vile body. This earthly tabernacle is fallen. It's corrupt. It's not what God has for us in the end. In the end, our vile bodies are going to be changed. We're going to be translated. The Bible says we shall see him as he is, but we shall also be like him. Woo. This corruptible is going to put on what? Incorrupt. Oh, this martyr is going to put on what? Immortality. I can't wait for my new body. Anybody hear me up in here? Because in this flesh, the Bible says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In the flesh is where your temper is. In the flesh is where the sexual lust comes from and the immorality. In your flesh is where all of that, that doubt and that, that, all of that stuff that God don't like, that's in the flesh. But can I tell you that a day is going to come, anybody hear me up in here? Woo! When that flesh suit is going to be laid to rest. Huh? Hallelujah. And we await that day. The Bible says we groan within ourselves, awaiting for us to lay down this old tabernacle and put on a new tabernacle. <laughs> you see, some of y'all excited about your mansion, but I'm excited about my new house. Hey, my new body, my new tabernacle. Woo! My God, my God, my God. And that's when sanctification is going to be done with. That's when the perfect comes. It's not done until that. You, 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 listen, you could be delusional and deceived if you want. I'm per you are not perfect. Believe me. All right? Believe me, let me ask the people close to you. They're going to amen me. They're going to, I'm telling you, I could call seven witnesses right now. Amen. And case will be closed on you. You know what I'm saying? Because the Bible tells us clearly, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. All right. Solomon said, who can say I have made my heart clean? And that's why we can't be critical and so quick to judge each other. All right. The church put their mouth on too many people, all right? And God looking down and saying, you, <laughs> you dirty, rotten scoundrel. How you going to ever talk about this one and that one and this one when you know when the light turn off, when nobody looking, what you got going on in your life? How would you ever open your mouth, all right? And so, 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 so since the sin doctrine is not taught in the church on a consistent basis, we have proud saints. We have Pharisee saints. Saints that look up and say, God, you lucky to have me. <laughs> but when you get a reality of who you are in God's sight, in God's sight, you know what I'm saying? You look up and you say, God, I thank you for your amazing grace. <laughs> you begin to get a revelation when it says that saved a wretch like me. You begin to get a revelation, alas, and did my Savior die? And did my sovereign bleed? You know? Did my sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head for such 
a worm as I. Was it for sins that I have done? He hung upon a tree. What amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Anybody hear me up in here? That's what the old hymn writer wrote. That's when the saints had a humility about themselves. That's when we understood what sin cost God. You see? And if we can get that back in the church, we can get humility back in the church. All right? We can get humility. And if we can get humility back in the church, then we're going to have unity back in the church. And if we can have unity back in the church, there will be nothing that we can accomplish for the glory of God if we are one. Hey, come on, somebody. And so it continues, and God will work on us until our death. And so now we want to we finish our last two points, not in the sanctification series, but just in this part before we get to the tools. We're going to talk about sanctification as a cooperative process or a cooperative agreement. Um, and then we'll talk about sanctification, hallelujah, is, uh, is a corporate process or a corporate thing. And so we'll cover point four most of the time today. And point five we'll just kind of use as a conclusion Never make a few statements about it. And then uh, we'll be over uh, for the day. But we'll spend most of our time on point number four. So let's get to it. Sanctification. Sanctification. It's not only... All right, let's, let's just look at it. It not only begins at salvation, not only continues and increases through life, it's not only completed only in death, but we must remember that sanctification is a cooperative process or a cooperative agreement, all right? Uh, when I mean co-op, all right, is when two people come together for operation, all right? It's when two people cooperate. They come together for one purpose, for one thing. And so that's what sanctification is. It's a co-op. It's two people coming together with one mission. The two parties are God and man, Amen. all right? And so when you get saved, hallelujah, you sign a, a salvation agreement, a salvation contract. And part of that contract is you agree not only to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you believe that he died for, the, for your sins on the cross, you believe he rose the third day, you believe he's coming back again, bomb, you saved, all right? But another clause in that contract is, God, I agree, since you accepted me as I was, I give you permission to work on me, to make me more and more like you. That every day of my life, you have permission, you have authority to open every closet, every room, every cupboard, every hiding place I have, to go into my actions, my words, my thoughts, even my motives, God. You have free reign. You have free reign to have your way with my life. I, pre I present my body a living sacrifice, <laughs> holy and acceptable unto you, which is my reasonable service because of what you did for me. And so that, that cooperative agreement is something that God takes seriously. And for sanctification to work, it must be both you and God working together to get your life on track. Anybody hear me up in here? Now, theologians and, and most of the systematic theologists, they'll tell you 
that the work, though cooperative, is not equal. I'm not saying that you got 50% of the work and God got 50%. I'm not saying that. God might have 90% of the work. He might have uh, 95%. He might do most of the work. But whatever part that he leave for you to do, you got to get that part done for it, to, for it to happen. What I'm saying is you can't just sit there and say, I'm waiting on God. Because a lot of y'all say, I'm waiting on God to take this away from me. And God is like, fool, I've been waiting on you. <laughs> All right? And so we're going to talk about in this section both our role and God's role. In sanctification. We'll start off, hallelujah, with God's role. But remember, work must be done by both parties in order for this to get done. Now, the Bible corroborates God's rule in sanctification. And a lot of people who unlearn with the Bible, they'll look at the Bible and see two competing verses. Because I'm going to show you some verses where God is, is portrayed as the one who sanctifies us. And then I'm going to show you some verses where the Bible clearly says that we are responsible for our sanctification. So these... Uh, 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 unsaved professors of religion come and they say the Bible has contradicted itself. They say if one end it says that God sanctifies us, another end it says that we sanctify ourselves. Oh man. The Bible say considering himself to be wise, man became a fool. Anybody hear me up in here? Well if the Bible is saying that uh, God sanctifies us and we sanctify ourselves. What it's really saying is we both do the work. Anybody hear me? Up here? It's not that it's a contradiction. No, don't be so quick to say the Bible contradicts itself. Because the word of God never contradicts itself. Because God is never confused. Come on, give y'all some praise. So we'll see both sides of those scriptures. Let's look at the scriptures that talk about God's rule. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, right quick. It tells us, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. You see that? It's enumerating, listing, categorizing God's work in our lives. That he is able, that he wants to sanctify you wholly. In the NIV, look what it says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, watch this, through and through. And that's my prayer for you too. That's my prayer for you too. That he sanctify you, clean you up, make you holy, not just in one part of your life, but through and through. You see? Because a lot of times we get proud in one side, one section. It's like them people that just got one part of their room clean. Huh? But they got a junk closet. They got a junk corner. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about myself. Y'all better watch myself, huh, first lady? You might get me when I come home. Pick that up. Get that, get that. We like that, y'all. We get proud in one section. Just our kitchen clean. We proud. <laughs> Living room a wreck, a mess. People come to our house, they can't get off the welcome mat. They got to stay right here. Oh, your house is lovely. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't move from that. Don't move from that. God don't want one room in our house clean. One part of our life clean. He wants to sanctify us, what? Through and through. All right? All the way, y'all. All the way. All right? Hallelujah. So, so the Bible says that. Now, now let's look at, hallelujah, uh, how God accomplishes this. Uh, 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 first thing, God gives us the will to do right. He gives us the will to do right. 
And that's why we know that sanctification comes from God, because he gives you the will to do right. Philippians 2.13 tells us clearly, and these are scriptures you should commit to memory. They are part of what we believe. It says, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. All right? What does that mean? God has a work that he wants done in you. All right? And the only way you can do that is if first God gives you the will, huh? And gives you the ability to do his good pleasure. All right? And this is important. Because when you learn about yourself and you learn about man, you got to understand, y'all. Naturally, we don't want to do the right thing. Jesus said, this is the condemnation of the world. That light has entered into the world. But men prefer darkness instead of light. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? So before salvation, if we could be real, all right, we could be real. Some of us in here are spiritual enough to discern that you preferred the wrong way. You preferred the wrong way. And that's why God has to be involved in sanctification because he gives us the heart to want to do right. You weren't even thinking about doing right before he touched your life. You weren't thinking about being faithful in marriage. You weren't thinking about being a good father, a good mother. You weren't worried about making money the right way. You weren't worried about coming to church, reading your Bible, praying. You weren't worried about joining some ministry, video team, usher. Boy, ushering was the last thing was on your mind. When the word usher came up, you thought about the musician. You ain't thought about, thought about usher. You're like, oh yeah, usher. You'd be like, no, we talking about usher ministry. <laughs> Shalanda laughing. <laughs> What you're saying, Pastor, we didn't even have the will to do right. Sanctification is a work of God because he gives us the will. It is God which working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's only after he touch, touch our lives that we want to be honest. That we want to tell the truth. That we want to not steal. That we want to uh, uh, be, be pure, be holy. It's only after that, y'all, you see? Because we wouldn't have the will or the power to do right without him. Come on, give y'all some praise, amen? Woo! So that's his involvement initially in sanctification, all right? He uh, gives you the will to want to do right. Um, Secondly, God's role in sanctification, let's look at it here. I'm going to move around a little bit, brothers. Hallelujah. I'm going back to John 17, 17. Look at that, and then I'm going to work my way. You know what? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 instead. So this is how God does that, all right? His role in sanctification, okay? When you get saved, God deposits his Holy Spirit on the inside of you, all right? We're talking about his role in sanctification. You get saved, he show you. This is what I want you to do. This is the right way. To help you, I'm going to put somebody on board with you. Day to day. 
Somebody, when you wake up in the morning, he's there. And when you go to bed at night, he's there. <laughs> Somebody, when you're walking through the city, he's there. When you're tempted by the devil, guess what? He's still there. He's with you all the time. He said, Lord, I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. All right? And who this person is, is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, the helper. And what the Holy Spirit does, he helps us in that sanctification process. He really does. And 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13 tells us, hallelujah, it tells us, uh, 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 let's see, for this cause, thank God concerning you, receive the word of God with your, yeah, that might be it. No, 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 I don't think that's it. I might have gave you all the wrong scripture. All right. Look at, look at 2 Thessalonians 2 and 13, and I'm going to just read it for you. All right, I can't blame it on my handwriting today because I typed it. <laughs> it says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of what? Of the Spirit. So what's God's involvement in sanctification? He makes you want to do the right thing. How does he do it? He gives you the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Oh, he give you the Holy Ghost. And, and, and listen, listen, watch this. Watch this. Through the Holy Ghost, he sanctifies you. All right? He sanctifies you. And I love that. If we look at, I'm going to give you another one. 1 John 3, 9, sound booth. Go to that one. Find that one for me. 1 John 3, 9. And I'm going to need it in the King James and also in the NLT. I'm going to show you how God helps us in the sanctifica sanctification process. Whosoever is born of God, whosoever is saved, does not commit sin. Now, don't get excited. Don't get excited. Don't get excited. All right. Once again, it's two scriptures that appear to be contradictory. We know the Bible can't contradict itself. So usually the problem is with our interpretation. So you got to go back in and study deeper. Is God saying that when we save, we don't have sin when we just read in the scriptures? That if we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. When we just read in the scriptures that, that who can say that I've cleansed my heart of, of my secret sins? Who, who could say that? All right? So when we go back to the Greek of this verse, now show it to me in an NLT. NLT is going to parallel it with the Greek. Those who have been born into God's family, the saved, do not make a practice of sinning. All right, are you hearing with me? You with me so far? It don't mean that we don't make mistakes. He would have never gave us that our father prayer when we say, forgive us this day our transgressions, our iniquities. You know what I'm saying? He said, pray that. He said, pray that because you're going to make mistakes. All right? But for a believer, we don't stay in our mistakes. You can't stay in that mistake. So we, we, we born again, we don't make a practice of sinning. You might fall down, but you're not going to stay down. Ooh, ooh. You might stumble, but you're not going to stumble the whole way. And the reason is, is because you're going to be uncomfortable. You ain't going to be able to sleep right. Your dreams going to mess with you. 
People are going to come to you, say things, and you're going to think they know what you're up to. You're going to be in church, and you're going to think that pastor know what you got going on. Pastor, you ain't got to put all my business out there for everybody to see. Listen, newsflash, only you feel like everybody see. And you feel like everybody see because the only person that really matter sees. Woo! Woo! And the Holy Ghost is making you uncomfortable. So you can't stay in a practice, in a position, in a relationship, in an agreement, in a business situation where it's causing you to continue to sin. You see? Why? Because God's life is in them. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Come on, are you hearing what I'm talking about? You see, what you mean when you say God's life is in Remember, the Holy Ghost is in you. He's in you. And because he's in you, he's not going to let you get comfortable in sin. He's not going to let you. He's not going to let you. So you, you get into a bad situation, and then he go moving. There he go moving. You know, you know, when a woman with child and she get in a bad position that the baby don't like, <laughs> the baby gonna start moving. And first lady used to tap her stomach sometimes. Grace, set her, set her down, Grace. Oh Lord, Omar, she be Omar. Don't get me started on Annalise. But what they were saying was, Mama, you're in an uncomfortable situation. So in order, because you're in that comfortable situation, I'ma move, I'ma have to move a little bit. I'ma make you uncomfortable, cause I'm uncomfortable. So for us believers, when we go and we try to practice in the Holy Ghost, say, I'ma make you uncomfortable. Because I'm uncomfortable. You gonna go to that club, he gonna say, I'm uncomfortable. You're going to go to that gambling shack, he's going to say, I'm uncomfortable. You're going to go to that woman's house, he's going to say, I'm uncomfortable. You're going to go to that man's house, he's going to say, I'm uncomfortable. I... Ooh! And you'll be over there seeing things. Hearing things. It's not as easy to participate in sin like it used to be. Because somebody on the inside of you telling you, you know you ain't supposed to be doing this. So you looking like that. I heard one story of a young lady, man, trying to participate in the fornication that she used to participate in before she got saved. Boy, she had a little boyfriend, boy, you understand what I'm saying? And they thought they just was going, you know, do like they used to do. So boy, and nobody was around. They snuck away. She turned off the light, John. They turn off the light. It's dark up in there. They sit on, and they think they're going to sin against the Lord, but she didn't got saved. She didn't came to the altar. All of a sudden, she began to feel uncomfortable. And he's like, baby, what's wrong? You ain't never felt uncomfortable before. <laughs> And the story goes as they were trying to 
get themselves, you know, in the mood, she look up and look into the dark closet. And she see a pair of eyes in the closet. So she... Can I tell you that they immediately turn on the light and cease and desist from all unlawful activity. That's the kind of stuff the Holy Ghost will do to you. Because when we get saved, we just can't continue practicing in sin because God is in the process of sanctifying us. And he puts that Holy Ghost in us. And we got a word for those that might be new to church. Amen. He's just not going to allow apparitions and things to happen that's a little strange. There are signs and omens that the believer going to see is God talking to you while you're on your way to sin. You see? But other than that, God's going to do some other things. There's something that we call conviction. Say that with me. Say conviction. All right? For the new believers, conviction is when you participate in sin and you feel so bad that you want to cry. The Bible calls it grieving the Holy Spirit. All right? You grieve. You grieve. And grieve is just not a word that means like to make sad, but greed is like, is like a depression. Grieve is like when something dies. And the Holy Ghost grieves over your sin. Because wherever you go, believer, you have to make the Holy Spirit participate in the sin you're participating in. It ain't just you laying down. The Holy Ghost is there. It ain't just you getting drunk. The Holy Ghost is there. It ain't just you getting high. The Holy Ghost is there. You got to bring him into the mess, into the cesspool, into the guck of this world. And he don't want to go there. And so it grieves him to be there. And when it grieves him, we can feel it. It's a sadness. And you'll have some believers, and I can feel it in the room right now, you'll have some believers actually weep over sin. Actually weep over, after actually cry. Like look in the mirror and say, God, I'm sorry. Anybody ever felt conviction before? Huh? Huh? Make you apologize to God, and guess what? Apologize to other people too. You'll walk up to somebody and be like, man, I lied to you. You know, man, I'm sorry, man. You know, we walk up to somebody, I blew up on you, and I'm sorry I lost my temper. I know you see me at church, but I'm still a work in progress, and I was convicted by what I told you and the way I told it to you. That's what conviction is. And this is just part of God's role in sanctification. God cleans us up, huh? By, 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 by giving us his Holy Spirit. Secondly, he also sanctifies us by giving us his truth. All right? All right? And we're going to go deeper into that, hallelujah, on the next time. But if we look at John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. The Bible is the truth. The word of God that cleans us up. And so this is another way that God gets us clean. When you're in the word, 
whether you're reading it personally, whether you're sitting and we're going over the word in here, guess what's happening? We're getting cleaned up. Anybody here? <laughs> we're getting cleaned up. I'm telling you, we're taking a shower up in here. In the spirit. We're getting washed. I'm telling you, we're in the washing machine right now. Woo! Look at your neighbor and say, God is cleaning me up. Because that's what the word does. That's what the word does. We're talking about God's role, and we're going to get deeper into a deacon when we, when we talk about the tools. We're going to tell you how it happened and everything like that, but God cleans us up, all right? Let me look at another way that God does this thing that we'll talk about later in detail. Another way God helps us get cleaned up is through chastisement. Chastisement. All right? All right? Whew. How can I say what that is, all right? That's discipline. That's, that's, that's punishment. That's that get right. All right? And God gets his children right. He tells us that every good father and mother chastens the child. All right? That's good parenting, God says. And how God going to tell you how to be a good parent and not be a good parent himself? So he puts it on us when we sin. So we're getting into some sin. We have the Holy Spirit convicting us. But some of us hard heads, so we go against the Holy Ghost. We know the Holy Ghost saying. All right? But a hard head make us soft. Woo! So it would behoove you to be sensitive to the moorings of the Holy Ghost. The movements of the Holy Ghost. But if not, God got a plan B for those that's not. All right? That plan B is chastisement. All right? And we can look at it right quick, but once again, we're going to go deeper into it when we talk about the tools on next Sunday. Hebrews 12.5 kind of introduces it to us. It says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation, the encouragement. We're speaking to you as unto children. God has given us encouragement as his children. He says, my son, our daughter, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. He's telling us, number one, don't you get mad at God for putting it on you. Number one, you deserve it. You know that song, you deserve it? <laughs> Well, you deserve it. When you do wrong and you don't follow the conviction of the Holy Ghost, don't get mad when God have to put it on you. All right? He going to chasten you. And it's not going to be a switch that come from heaven. He going to whip you with circumstances. He going to whip you with conditions. <laughs> he going to whip you with things not working out like they're supposed to. And he's doing that not to hurt you, but to get your attention. Are you hearing me so far? You'll be like the prodigal child in a far country, eating pig slop out of a pig's sty. Because sometimes, for some of us, it's only when he put his hands on us that we look up and say, mm, I better do right. Chastisement is all about that. But it's encouraging because in Hebrews 12, 6, he says, for whom the Lord 
loving. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. So if the Lord whip you when you do wrong, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Because it means that he loves you. If you do wrong and things just work out in your favor, if you do wrong and the money just overflowing, if you do wrong and all of these other things happen and it's all good in your life and you're doing wrong on this side, that's when you got to worry. But when you do wrong and you know that wrong coming right back, you know that sickness coming right back, you know that strife and trouble coming right back, and you know, hallelujah, God going to put it on you. Hallelujah. You should give God a shout of praise. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. And he scourged every son or daughter whom he receives. And I'm telling you, the quicker you get it, the more he loves you. The quicker you get it. You could be thinking about wrong and God said, no, nah, all right now. All right. And all it is is just like you at a playground and you watching all these kids cut up. All the baby kids over there, they cutting up. They breaking bottles. They doing all kind of stuff. They cutting each other. They doing all that. All right? They out there, boy, listen, they cutting up. But then you got your kids over here. And you tell your kids, stay away from the baby kids. Because you not baby kids, you my kid. And my kid going to be different than baby kids. You understand what I'm saying? Now, them kids, you ain't going to tell nothing. But let your child do something. Huh? Baby kids, them, they, they out there gang banging. They got, they got the bottles and everything. Your kid playing with gum on the sidewalk. Hey, 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 you stop. You going to get on them quickly? Huh? You ain't going to let them do no wrong? Not because you hate them. Some kids will misinterpret that. They'll be like, well, you, you letting them do all that and you ain't letting me do nothing? You, you must not like me. You must not favor me. No, my love for you is the reason why I'm... Because you belong to me. You mine. You, you hagios. You, you set apart. You got a sacred purpose. Them of that ain't going nothing but jail and hell, but you, my child. I know the promises that I've made for you. I know the plans I have for the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, huh? And not evil. To give your future a hope and an expected end. And your activity in the present don't line up with my plans for the future. And so I'm going to get on you so we can correct that. So you can line up with what I have for you, what I see for you. I'm not going to let you do that to yourself. How in the world I'm going to get you here if you over there? So I'm going to deal with you. What is God the Father's role in chastisement? Huh? He places his spirit on board to convict us. He gives us his word, huh, to help clean us up. But also, when his children do wrong, he is quick, huh, to put his hands on us. 
And 12.11 tells us, it says, Now no chastening for the present seeming to be joyous. When you're getting your issue, you're not going to be glad. All right? Huh? But grievous, it hurts. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life. That means when God comes down on you and things don't work out, your body not feeling good, the job ain't working now, the checks not coming like they used to, it's all because of your current activity that God not pleased in. It's never going to feel good, huh? But wait a while, huh? Because if you let God have his way in your life, you're going to correct that activity. It's going to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life. You see, you see, you see, the chastisement is going to make you right. That's the fruit. It's called a peaceable fruit because when you get right, God ain't got no more problem with you. You and him got peace. The provision can flow. The healing can flow. Everything else can flow like it's supposed to. That's what chastisement do. It yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Watch this. Unto them which are exercised thereby. It means that when he put his hands on, don't be like them children that run away from it. Don't be like them children that try to fight back. Don't be like them children, amen, that get mad and say, God, why are you letting this happen in my life? Fool, don't you know the wages of sin is death? Don't you know that the way of the transgressor is hard? Don't you know whatever he put on you is only half of what you really deserve? You really deserve for a hole to open up under your feet right now and you to bust hell wide open and you never to see the light and the glory of heaven. That is what you deserve. But God in his grace just going to give you a little tap. You understand what I'm saying? It's like a good mom or a good daddy that put that rod on you. Huh? And it hurt and you're like, ooh, it hurts so bad. And daddy look and say, I ain't gave you three quarters of my strength. I ain't really gave you with all that I have. And so when you're going through with chastisement, you look at God and want to get mad. And God say, if I really swung this thing, you know where you, you, know where you would be. And so we got to be exercised thereby. We got to realize it, receive it, look up and say, God, you right and I'm wrong. You know, when David did wrong, anybody remember when David did wrong with Bathsheba and all hell broke loose in his kingdom? David never looked up and said, God, you wrong. Even when the prophet came through and said, listen, the, the, the sheep and the rich man took the lamb. David, listen, Nathan said, thou art the man. You know what David told the Lord? He never come and try to say, Lord, you wrong for all the things. He said, I have sinned before the Lord. I did wrong. I did wrong. And all the bad things that's happening in my life, it ain't because of God, it's because of me. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Now listen to me good. You got to be a big boy and a big woman to be able to operate like that. And most people don't operate like that. They look at their lives, they fall into depression and anxiety because they don't have a correlation between their activity and the fruits of what's happening in their life. All right? And, and the answer is not depression medication. The answer is not anxiety medication. The answer is do the right thing and all these things go in because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other things going to be added unto you. 
Are you with me here so far? That's, that's what it's all about. It's all about doing right and getting right. And the right life leads to the blessings, to the miracles, to the favor. How many people since you've been searching after God and coming to church and doing your thing? Life might not be perfect, but how many people can see it getting better? And in the sanctification process, he's just going to be pointing out little things. Okay, now get this right. And get this right. And get this right. And the longer you keep those things that he point out in your life, the longer you're going to have some confusion in this side. All right? Is that all right? Come on, give y'all some praise if we're breaking that thing down. We're just kind of breaking it down, y'all. We're just kind of breaking it down. So he uses chastisement. And so, so that's the father's role. In chastisement. Now, let's look at our role for a second, if y'all still up, if y'all still up. Because it's good to know what God doing, what he's doing to clean us up. So if you see that going on, don't fight against it. Don't kick against it, okay? But it's good to also know our role in sanctification. Remember, it's a cooperative agreement. It's a cooperative process, okay? So we've looked at the contract, and we've seen God's responsibilities, and that's what he's listed in his contract. He said, listen, this is an agreement between me and you. These are my duties. This is my role. All right? And God said, well, this is going to be your role. This is what you're going to have to do. And if you do what you're supposed to do, and I know I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, we're going to get you cleaned up, looking good, living a blessed life, happy marriages, great kids, <laughs> prosperous. You understand what I'm saying? Healthy bodies. I'm going to make it happen for you, God said. All right? So let's look at our role right quick. Okay? Now, our role is going to be a little deep, but we could swim. We have a passive role in sanctification, and we have an active role in sanctification. When I say the word passive, uh, I mean that it's something that you got to let happen. Passive means you just put your hands down and you just let it happen. All right? That's what I mean by that. Okay? The passive. Active, I mean you got to do something. All right? Our role in sanctification is both passive, we got to let God do some things, and it's both active, we got to do some things. All right? So let's look at it, okay? Let's talk about the passive role first. In John 16, 17, look what it says. But God, I mean, Romans 6, 17, Romans 6, 17. Hallelujah. Uh, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But ye have now obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine was delivered unto, which was delivered unto you. He's not thanking you that you were the servants of sin. He's thanking you that you were a slave of sin, but now you don't obey that doctrine. What doctrine? The gospel. He's saying you don't got saved. You don't heard that Jesus died for your sins. You don't accept it and believe it. Paul said you were the servant of saints, but thank God you'd obey from the heart that form of doctrine which we delivered unto you. We gave the gospel to you. You received it. Hallelujah. You are no longer a servant of sin. Come on, give y'all some praise. All right? Verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. He don't let you go from serving sin to serve nothing. He set you free from serving sin to serve God, to serve righteousness, all right? See, in this world, you're going to serve something. 
It ain't no neutral in this war between God and, and, and the devil. There's no, no such thing as Switzerland neutrality in this cosmic battle. Because some of us, we think, you know, I'm not in church and I'm not in the, in, 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 in the devil worshiping church either. I'm just neutral. No, 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 no. God says if you're not for me, oh, come. Y'all know the word of God. You know the word of God. And so he don't set you free from slavery of sin so you could just stay neutral. You remove the lock on this arm and you put a lock on this arm. All right? And you say, God, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to serve righteousness. All right? He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' service to uncleanliness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members' service to righteousness unto holiness. He's saying the same way you went hard for sin. He said, go hard for God. <laughs> go hard for righteousness. And he uses a beautiful word right here. He uses the word yield. All right? And for those that drive, I know, I know that some of y'all can't drive good, but for those that, that drive, you got stop signs and you got yield signs. And so in regards to sanctification, we have a passive role. We have a role that, where we're supposed to just yield. Let God go. Let God have his way. I showed you God's role and God's going to be working on you. And you got to yield to God. If you're in a situation and, and you feel like you want to do wrong, but, but God comes through that and he convicts you, listen to that conviction. Yield to him. God, I'm not supposed to do that? Okay. God, I shouldn't have said that? Okay. God, I shouldn't do this? Okay. We let go and let God have his way. All right? Most of our problem with getting right is... We're not yielding. We're not yielding. God will show us what, we, what he want, but we still hit the gas. We still hit the gas. We still hit the gas. We got to yield. And this is a beautiful thing. I, I love this. Watch this. Psalm 23, 1 through 3. Watch this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you see who doing all the work? You see who doing all the work? When you make him your shepherd, he doing all the work. All you got to do is let him do the work. Are you with me here so far? Now, I have here, he leaded me in, watch this, paths of righteousness. Let me take you in the spirit for a second. Come with me in the spirit. When you get saved, God put a path in front of you. And it's a path of righteousness. On that path, if you stay on that path, huh? Blessings, favor, right choices. The devil can't touch you. 
You just got to stay on that path of righteousness. He set the path for us. And the path is 365 days of the rest of your life. Every year he got, he got that path laid out. In fact, where you are right now, God can see your whole path laid out. It's a path of righteousness. Our problem is we do not stay on the path. Ooh. Because while we're walking on the path, the devil's job is to put little distractions on the side of the road. And whatever your particular disposition is, is that the distraction he going to put. And so all of us got different distractions on the sides of our different path. And for some, it's a, little, it's a little bar with alcohol in it. For others, it's a club. For others, it's some money. For others, it's a little man, a little woman. For some, it's a Buddha man and a woman. <laughs> huh? Huh? And so he got that road of righteousness, and you walking, and guess what's happening? You looking. That's why the Bible say, look not to the left or to the right. Mm. Oh, Woo! Woo! He's got a path of righteousness. And what I found in this short little life that I done live, if I, done, if I keep my eyes focused on my path and what he's laid out for me, Ain't going to be no trouble there. Ain't going to be no devil there. Now, it's only when I get off the path. Only when I get off the path. Our role is to be passive and just let God make the path and just follow the path. Right? Back in the day when I was in college, they gave me a little psychological experiment of an exam. And... It was some counselors in graduate school and stuff like that. Kind of like first lady. They call them shrinks. They mess with your brain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mess with your brain. Be like, you be confused. Like, wait, <laughs> what I believe? <laughs> what I'm thinking about? All right. And they put me through a little psychological test. All right. And we're going we to do it, do it just a little bit in here. All right. And what they told me is, they say, imagine a rule. Can you see the rule? They say, now look on your left. Imagine a house. Can you see a house? Yes. Funny thing is, all of our houses are going to be different. Because it's all about you and your insides. All right? Next to the house, they got some animals all together. Can you see the animals? What kind of animals you see? Oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. All right? All right? Now, keep on going down the road. There's going to be an obstacle in the road. What you see is the obstacle. Everybody going to be different. Huh? What you see? What you see? Some people going to see a fence. Some people going to see a hole. Some people going to see a rock. All right? Now, you cross the obstacle, all right, and you see a body of water. What kind of water you see? Huh? What kind of water you see? Some people going to see a beach. Some people going to see a river. Some people going to see a lake. Now, when you come to the water, I want you to picture a bridge going over that water. What kind of bridge you see? All right. All right. In this particular exercise, it's a psychological exercise, and it's going to show us some things about our lives. The animals that we see walking next to the house kind of portrays something about our family life. 
See, when I did the exercise, I saw a broad patch full of rabbits and it showed that I'm a close-knit family, I'm close to family. Some of y'all see cows in the field, I don't know what that means. <laughs> mm. I don't know what that means. You're productive, milk, I don't know, meat. When it talks about what kind of water you see, or what kind of obstacle you see, it, it, it really deals with how you handle problems that come up. How you see problems. Do you see them as, as, as something that you can't get over? Or something that you're you going to just walk through eventually? How big is the obstacle? All right? The body of water going to be your marital life with intimacy and everything. For some of y'all, y'all saw a stream. Y'all going to need some help. <laughs> I just saw a mighty river, a Niagara Falls. Miss Leola, brother Sam, I think that was in y'all. <laughs> a beautiful ocean. It's about your married life and intimacy and everything else. The bridge that you saw. The bridge you saw. Is your road for life. What kind of bridge did you see? In that exercise, the psychologists, the counselors, the graduate students, they say, they say, they say, Omar, what kind of bridge you saw? I saw a covered bridge. Amen. A bridge that was covered. And before I was passed or anything, they say, what this means is, is that your life path is protected. Mm. Right. It's protected. It's protected <laughs> because ain't nothing come from the top, the sides, or the bottom. It's protected. Listen to me good. You as a believer in here, that path of righteousness has already been set for you. It's a righteous road that he done built. And your job is just to passively stay on that road and stop trying to make new roads. And as you stay on that road every day, if you're where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, the devil not going to be able to touch you. It's when you're not where you're supposed to be. It's when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. It's when you're off the beaten path. That's when temptation and trials like you've never known going to come your way. Be where you're supposed to be. You see, David was supposed to be at war with the rest of the kings. Then he was supposed to be sleeping in his bed at night. Homeboy woke up from his bed at night and want to walk on his rooftop in a time when he shouldn't have been on his rooftop. David was not where he was supposed to be. And he was not doing what he was supposed to do. He was off the pad. And it's ironic that when he was off the pad, he'd look out. And he saw a woman bathing on the rooftop. Bathsheba up in there with that olive oil soap that we talk about. He said, who that is? Listen to me, man. The Bathsheba's going to be in your life. The Delilah's going to be in your life. The sin's going to be in your life. If you're not following the path of righteousness. Come on, give y'all some praise. Come on, come on, I'm trying, trying to help you. He got a covered bridge for you, but you got to stay under the covering. So that's our passive role in this sanctification process. Let God have his way. Let him leave you. Let him lead you. Just, just take it so. Take it his way. He going to bless you. All right? But quickly, we also got an active role. We're going to say this right quick, and then we're going to get out of here. Is this helping anybody out? Huh? 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just trying to stay clean. Get clean and stay clean. Our active role is, is also uh, uh, enumerated in the Bible. Just like it say God have a role. It does say we have a role too. 2 Corinthians 7.1, we've, we've, we've looked at this. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness, excuse me, in the fear of the Lord. So there is, an, there is a sense that the Bible says, God going to sanctify you holy, but you got a job to do to clean yourself, right? The Bible is corroborating our role in sanctification. Hebrews 12, 14 Follow peace with all men. Not only follow peace, but follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Look at it quickly in the NLT. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Work at it. There's a passive rule where we let God do some things, but we're going to see in a second that, Deacon, we got some things we got to do too. While we on that path of righteousness. We have some things we got to do. While, stay on the path. But while we're on the path, we got some things we can do. All right? Now, now, when we get to the tools of sanctification, the things we have to do, I'm going to kind of say them to you. All right? He provided his word, but we got to read it. <laughs> we got to read it. And, 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 and he provided a church where we can come in and hear the word, but we got to come to it. God's not going to pick you up and drop you in church. All right? So, so your role in sanctification, you want to be clean. Well, baby, you got to get yourself to the spiritual shower. You got to open that word. You got to come to church. You got to avail yourself of the tool that he left behind to clean us up. And a lot of us saying, God, I'm waiting on you. And God is like, would you please pick up your Bible sometimes? All right? All right? What else, Pastor? Listen, we're going we to show you uh, next time. Prayer is a great cleaner upper as well. Yes, I invented a word, a cleaner upper. Prayer. The Bible says, pray lest you enter into temptation. Prayer will keep you. It'll keep you. It'll keep you from temptation. And therefore, it'll keep you clean. He left prayer for us. But part of our role is we got to pick it up and pray. All right? So, so we have to get in the Word. We got to pray. Guess what else we're going to cover? Fellowship cleans us up. Fellowship. That's what fellowship. Being with the people of God. Being with the people of God cleans you up. Well, Pastor, all we do is get mad at each other and fuss. All right? That show you that you got some things wrong with you. Yeah, you only fuss and strife come from pride. <laughs> you only fussing because you got some things that's wrong with you that you're not willing to let go. And that's why you're fussing. Fellowship, coming into the presence of real men and women of God, going to show you yourself. And we don't always like that. So what we do, we run away from fellowship. No, we got to be with the people of God. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man or one woman or one person sharpen another. You say, Pastor, when I get together with us, sparks always fly. Yeah. 
because God's sharpening you. It's like grandma taking out the more knives. And they got some in here. I don't like, I don't like to be around pastors because pastor, oh, pastor, ooh, pastor, pastor, pastor. Sparks fly when I'm by pastor. Yeah. Because certain things that's on you, when they come in contact with somebody that's living, it's going to rub the wrong way. All right? It's going to rub the wrong way. So that's another tool that we have to do in our active role. All right? Last thing on our active role, we got to once again receive chastisement with the right heart. Okay? If we don't do that, we're never going to be sanctified. Now, two more scriptures. All right? First Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now, pastor, what you doing here? Woo! I'm giving, listen, I'm giving you a, a college theology course on sanctification right now. For some of you, it's going to be too much. For others, you're going to be able to swim. For others, you could take this and listen to it for the next few months, and it's going to continue to bless you as you get deeper in your walk. Because I want to tell you, in sanctification, there's not only some things you got to do, but there's some things you got to stay away from. That's what he's saying. He said, abstain from fornication. 1 Peter 2, 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. Paul going to tell us in another place, flee fornication. Watch this. In all of our lives, since we all have indwelling sin, they got some things that you can't be around. Now, John could be around, but you can't be around. Or you hear? Misha could be around, but you can't be around. And some things you could be around that Misha can't be around. Man, Misha will lose her mind being around some of the things. So in your life, you got to figure out, one, what's my kryptonite? What's the thing that God left in me that I got to make sure I stay far away from? And Christians don't realize that for each of us, we have a general plan, but we also have a specific prayer, a plan for each of us. You say, but for you, you can't be a block away from alcohol. You can't be, you can't be close to it. Other believers could be in the vicinity. Other believers could be at the party. Other believers, they pass it in front of them, but you get a whiff. Woo! You just get a, a whiff of that Hennessy. Oh, y'all laughing up in here. You get a whiff of that VO. That whiff of you. Is that 1865? Is that... So you got to know your weaknesses and know what you have to stay far away from. See, David's weakness was the women. 
So for David, he never should have been on that roof watching that woman bed. Now for some, they could watch the woman take a bath. I don't know too many who could. <laughs> but there's some who could. Kevin James said, oh no. Lord. All right? So you got to know what you got to stay away from. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're going to learn and you got to learn yourself and learn your individualized plan. They got some things where people could be in the presence of obnoxious people and look, not even worry about it. You're going to get in a fight. Yeah, you're you going you gonna to let them have it. So part of your sanctification process is knowing your weakness and actively doing your best to stay away from that. All right? Keeping a boundary, a boundary around yourself. You, you know I'm going to get this close and not any closer. All right? And not any closer. See, David, David got on the roof. And then, 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 he, then he said, well, I'm going to call her over and we're going to, I'm going to talk about what kind of soap that is. You got a problem with women. You can't have her over. She can't be in your room by yourself. And you can't be like, well, come in my room. I'm going to show you my set of soap. You, you, David, you can't do that. But it's collector's edition. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, do you know your individual Sanctification plan. Come on, give God some glory, huh? All right, all right. So we done went in. We done went in. We done went in. And, 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 and you know, we're going we gonna, we gonna to shut it down at this point. Now, for the, for the fit point, all I was going to say, sanctification is a corporate process. This is, this is all of it. Sanctification happens in community. It can't happen by yourself. You're going to need other people in your presence to help make it happen. That's why he make us come together in a church. All right? All right? And that's why all across the nation, we're doing these little satellite locations because we know how important community is. You know what I'm saying? It's a... It's a corporate thing. It's, it's something that we do together, you know? And we'll talk about that more when we get to fellowship a little bit. But, y'all, that's the word on sanctification. And I pray that God will, will touch you this week and make you holy this week and allow you to see the conviction of the Holy Ghost, allow you to discern your own particular individual boundaries so you can stay away from sin. Come on, give y'all some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I never like to leave here without allowing someone the opportunity to make Yahshua Jesus their personal Lord and Savior. If you would come here and you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I died in the next few days and death is all over the place. People dying left and right. Right? And we're living in, a, in a, such a corrupt moral world that people going in, 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 in the weirdest places like me and First Lady were saying, you can't even go to the mall. You can't even be at a school 
without the reality of death being always present. What are you saying, Pastor? They so demonic out there. They so full of the devil. They so have kicked God out of our culture that, that people killing each other everywhere. Now, we know that, that God is for us and he's going to protect us, but, but what I'm saying is if, if you lost and you don't know God, listen, you could go anywhere and anything could happen. You better make sure that you saved this morning. You better make sure that you know him this morning. Listen, in Allen, Texas, not too far from our, our Dallas location, people was going to the mall. Some of them went in shopping. You think they expected to get shot up in the mall? Guy I used to race with, Irvin Walker, used to run with him around Radcliffe. He pulling up his car, get shot. Going to the mall, by the grace of God, he survived, but so many others didn't. You see? You see? So if there was a time to be saved, the time is now, y'all. It's now, y'all. Is now. Why, Pastor? Because that black horse of death is out there. It's gobbling up people left and right. Young person, listen to me. Young person, yeah, mama saved, daddy saved. And some of y'all, mama and daddy not really saved. But young person realize something. Realize something. They got a lot of young people dying out there right now, too. If you had to meet your maker this week, would he send you to heaven? Would he count you as one of the redeemed? Are you forgiven? At this altar, we're going to give you the opportunity. At this point, it don't even matter to you what the message was about. This is the most important part. Ushers, open up the altar. And if for some reason, one, you want to make sure you're saved. Two, you've been fighting God on that sanctification process and you've been holding up that conviction. Three, his hand been on you. And you want to surrender to God and say, God, I'm going to get right. If you fall in any of those categories, or this word touch you in any way. Come. Come to the altar. 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 Come on to that altar. Come on to that altar. Let's get right before our God. Let's make peace with our God. Let's let go and passively allow him to have his way with our sanctification.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. trust in him thank you Lord we're gonna trust in him thank you thank you we're gonna trust in him at this altar so if you're here you're under the sound of my voice let's pray and I really want you to lock in I really want you to forget about who on the side of you I want you to forget about what's waiting for you outside these doors. I really want you to lock in. This is about concentration. It's about sincerity. It's about you mean business at this altar. So lock in with me and talk to your God from your heart. Say, my God, thank you for loving me in spite of me I've done wrong I've sinned against you and I'm not hiding that I want to keep it real but I believe that you still love me and you have a plan for me and right now, and right now 
I believe in you. Your death, burial, and resurrection. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Give me your Holy Spirit to live inside of me. And help me to let go and let you clean me up. Help me to stay on the path of righteousness. Give me the wisdom, the strength to know what to stay away from. I give you permission to clean my life inside and out. I surrender to you. I need you. Can't do it without you. Say, save my soul. And use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him praise up in here. Give him praise up in here. I just want to pray over some of you. Amen. I want to pray over you. And there's some in here I've been noticing you coming, amen. And some of you, amen, you're going to be members. And the way membership works at Philadelphia is we have a little discipleship training class in the mornings. And, and we'll put on the calendar on the next announcements when that class is. And, and, and regardless if you're a member or not, you come in here, God's going to bless you. But some of you want to make it official. And so when that day comes, amen, you come, you take the little class to learn what we believe, we'll lock you in, put you on the roll, you'll be a member. It's important, it's important, and God's going to bless you, all right? Uh, there's some of you as well, hallelujah, you've been saved now, and you're telling me, you say, Pastor, what's the next step? The next step after salvation is baptism, y'all. Believe it or not, it's baptism. And the moment you get saved and you get serious, you have to do baptism as a, as a physical representation of what you believe on the inside. It's a very spiritual thing. And you can tell it's spiritual because something in you will try to stop you from doing it. Fear will stop you while everybody gonna be seen. I'm scared of water. Listen, everybody ain't got nothing to do with this. When you baptize, that's between you and God. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? And God take it serious because when you decide to get baptized, you letting everybody know that I'm going down with the old me and I'm coming up with the new me. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? And some people get saved, but they still have a rocky problem because they hadn't done the first step after salvation. The first step after legitimate salvation is always baptism. And it's not before salvation is the first step after legitimate salvation. And we're gonna be doing baptism together as a church, June 8th, we get it outside, we out there after church, we come, we dunk you, and you ain't gotta be scattered of water. If an emergency happens, just stand up. The water gonna be this high, you are not gonna drown. <laughs> just stand up and I'm gonna be right there with my hand on you, 
I'm not going to let you drown. We going under with the O. The O you going to go down and not come back up. That's what we want. But we going to make sure the new you come up. Anybody hear me up in here? All right? So that's baptism, all right? Now, before I let you go, I want to pray a special prayer of sanctification over you. All right? And then we're going to dismiss. Most high God, I thank you so much for you loving this people. I'm just going to pray over you. Just receive it. God, I just pray right now, God. The same way you saved my soul. The same way, God, you put me on that righteous, covered path. I pray that same blessing on these men, these women, these young men, these young women at this altar. And I pray that you keep them on that road of righteousness. I pray, God, that as they walk it, God, that sin and temptation will be few and far in between, God. And I pray, O King of kings and Lord of lords, that when they look back, they'll have 10, 20, 30 years of living sold out for Yahshua Jesus. That they'll look back and have solid families. That they'll look back and have solid financials. That they'll look back and have solid homes that they're drinking coffee in, in the mornings, looking out the windows. God, in the name of Jesus, bless them and give them a vision of the path that you have for their life. Show them even now the house. Show them even now the sofa, the coffee table. Show them even now the kids. Show them even now the family. Give them the vision. For without a vision, the people fail. They perish. Do it for them now, King. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, give him praise.